Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am joined by Vicar Hill. How's it going? Pretty good. We are going to look at the readings for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost. You can listen to all the readings on the reading podcast that was dropped previous to this episode. We are back with St. Mark, chapter 7, and we have Jesus attacking, arguing, showing forth his wisdom against the Pharisees. And there's an interesting practical thing going on. You have the disciples, they're going to go eat, and the Pharisees make a point to Jesus saying, some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And we got to remember, the Pharisees and Jews had all these rituals, these ceremonial laws. They had to do certain things prescribed to them by God himself through Moses in order to be clean and right before God. So these are rituals prescribed by God. And now we have Jesus' disciples not following, not being good traditional Jews of this time, and the Pharisees call him out on it. It's almost like, uh, I kind of think of it as they, they almost catch Jesus and his disciples on a technicality. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's um, it opens up, and the text is we have the Pharisees and the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. So these are, they've sought people out, or they've come on their own will to try to observe Jesus and see what he's doing with the disciples. Because at this point in his ministry, he's making a name for himself. Yeah. Uh, and so we have the Jewish authorities, and they've come to see Jesus. And I kind of think of it as they're looking for something to hold against him. And this is kind of what they find. But let me, let me push on this just a little bit. Why would the Pharisees want to catch Jesus doing something wrong? I don't know. We're, we're coming right off of um, the death of John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. So I'm just thinking about the context here, and they're they're trying to find something. But I think the big thing is, maybe this is what you're fishing for, but Jesus is kind of preaching things that aren't in line with what the Pharisees, Sadducees, what the scribes have always done. So in comes Jesus, and he's saying things and doing things differently. And as you're kind of talking about, when they come in, these rituals, these rites, the washings, these are long established. Mm -hmm. These aren't things that just cropped up. These are things that the Jewish people have been doing for years and years, centuries. And so when they see them, that's what, that, then they throw the flag. Yeah, The Pharisees and the scribes <laughs> throw the flag and they go, hold on, we just saw something here. Well, even St. Mark uh, points out, all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands. So, I, there, you know, there's really something to this. Now, 
Scripture, especially this text, does not explain to what extent. I don't think that the disciples are coming down to sit down for dinner and they're just filthy dirt. Dirt is falling off of them. They're reaching into like a communal pot and getting everything else dirty. I don't see this. I really do see a ritual act and that the Pharisees, like you said, are are throwing a, a flag on the play. They're not doing what they've always done or what they should always be doing. So you don't think the Pharisees and the scribes are just grossed out because the disciples didn't wash their hands before dinner? I I don't know. I I, I don't see it, you know, because, again, the practicalities of that, um, the, the disciples aren't dirty people. And it sounds weird to say it out loud like that. Again, I don't think that they've been rolling around in the dirt and then sit down and eat. Uh, I think it is this actual act, uh, whatever this ritual act of washing. Because the the text talks about that they observed washing the cups, washing the pots, the copper vessels, even the couches that they were sitting on. So, you know, it's a whole big thing. And it's good, right, and salutary if you put it in its proper place and context, which the Pharisees, in which Jesus will also point out, they're not doing. And this, these washings that you're talking about, like you're saying, this is a lifestyle thing. Right. It's, it's not something that they just waltz into town and start telling everybody to do. This is just how they've done things. Um, and that's important to note because then you get into all the rituals, why they started doing these. Ooh, I like that. Why they kept doing these, how it expanded from just maybe the priests mm-hmm. of Israel doing these rituals to everybody, the entire Jewish people doing these uh, these washings that take place. Absolutely. And what I like about what you just set up there was the idea that we have these prescribed laws, prescribed rituals, ceremonies, and they're done for a reason. God has a plan. And with this, there's things that we're supposed to do, things that the Old Testament saints were to do. But then the Pharisees, the teachers, the Jewish people in control had this great idea. God's law is really important, and we will all agree with that. God's law is very important. Let's protect it. We're going to build a fence. We're going to build a fence around God's law. So we're going to make these traditions, and all these great traditions are going to be wonderful things that will work really hard to keep those, because if we keep those, then we don't have to worry about God's actual law. You know what? Let's be really safe. Let's do two fences. So we'll have a fence to protect the fence to protect God's law. And over time, the man-made traditions became so important that they actually lost sight of why there's a law and what the law actually says. So now you can do the interpretation. And now the guy in control then becomes really a law to himself. You know, was it the disciples didn't sing happy birthday long enough while they were washing their hands? I don't know. That's uh, now everywhere you go in a public place. It's like, take 20, make sure you wash your hands long enough. Uh, But yeah, and it gets to this this fence around the law, this protective fence. And then I like how you said another fence because they had over, what was it, 600 and something? Extra laws, yeah. Additional laws that they had put around God's law. And it's almost like... um, they built the fence around God's law 
so wide and so tall that they lost sight of God's word. It wasn't even in the picture right. because they were getting blinded by all the ones that they had set up themselves. And then Jesus, the very word of God, shows up and walks through the fence <laughs> and messes everything up. And I'd like to break from the text just for a second because I really like that imagery. You have the Pharisees, and they're they're working to do their job. And I like how you pointed out, Vicar, that they came down from Jerusalem to look at this Jesus. He's becoming infamous. He's making a name for himself, not because he wants to be popular, not because he's looking to find a following, but he's there to bring himself, the very word of God, for salvation, which is contrary to following man-made laws, ceremonies, rites, and rituals. And they don't like this because they've always done it this way. And now you got this carpenter upstart teaching something different and we got to put him in his place. We got to we got to get him in line and there's some issues. And again, I, I like the idea that Jesus walks through the fence and says, "Follow me." And you got the Pharisees saying, "No, you touched the fence. It's broken." <laughs> and I think even to that, not only did the scribes and Pharisees come to to kind of I think you started off by saying combat or argue with Jesus, but it wasn't just the local scribes and Pharisees right. that everybody in town's like, oh, okay, we know him. That, mm -hmm. That's he's they're in charge. They they set the rules or they make sure we keep the rules. These were outside the big Jewish weeks. authority. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of picture them walking in and everyone goes, Oh, look at that scribe from yeah. Jerusalem. And so it's this authoritative uh input now coming right. in to almost directly challenge Jesus. And that's why I like to think of it as they're, they're coming to find something. The gotcha moment. The gotcha moment um, to kind of then pursue and kind of take down this Jesus. Because like you've mentioned, he's kind of cutting right through what they've been doing and saying for so long and going counter to what they've they've always known. And with this, I don't want to throw the Pharisees completely under the bus. They, they do have some blame and they do have some situations that they'll be held accountable for. They're doing what they think is right, mm -hmm. what they were taught. They think that they're fulfilling the, the promises of the law and then holding the people placed into their care to the same law. And they're protecting their people from Jesus. They think they're doing right by God's law. But again, it's what they see, how they see it, when they see it, where they see it, and so on and so forth. And Jesus calls them out on it and flat out calls them hypocrites. And he quotes the prophet Isaiah. And this is actually from our Old Testament lesson. This people honors me with their lips. So the Pharisees probably had the first five books of the Bible memorized. They probably had the Psalms, most of the Proverbs memorized. So they could quote scripture all they wanted to, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And again, there was self-preservation. It was... There, Jesus was an attack to their power, attack to their authority. And, and I do think that they were very stubborn in their arguments. And I, I like how you almost making it a, a petty situation. And I don't think that the Pharisees were petty unto themselves, but they wanted to prove Jesus wrong. They wanted to, to put him in his place. Mm -hmm. And 
the authority in which they pointed to was their law. When Jesus shows up and says, my word, yeah, my word, the word that I gave to you before Moses was, before Abraham was, that's me. And it's almost trying to get them to, I don't know if the intent was a little introspection, but to get them to focus on God's law yeah. oh, instead of the commandments of men, right? which is that quote from Isaiah that he pulls out, because it's it's pointing at this fence that they've built up, that they've constructed, and saying, that's not it. Right. Good intentions, but not good in practice, because what it's done is made you lose sight of God's actual word. Right. And I really appreciate what you just said, because... We're, in fact, guilty of this often. Look at what we do at church. Look what we do for catechism, confirmation, our rites, traditions, ceremonies. When we do these things, where do we place our trust? I did this, so me and God are okay. I gave X amount of money, so me and God are okay. I took my kid and made sure they were baptized. Me and God are okay. I also made them go to confirmation all two years. My parents made me do four. I don't know what that says. They just knew you were going to be a pastor. Yeah, there, there we go. They forethought. But me and God are okay. I go to church every Sunday and I say the right words in the liturgy. So me and God are okay. I even stand up when I'm supposed to. Me and God are okay. And, and we see all these actions. Those are really good actions. Those are really good ceremonies. Those are really good rituals. But where is the faith? And I, I think this is connected. But where he's quoting Isaiah, where Jesus is quoting Isaiah here, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And as you were talking, it made me think of, uh, I don't have children yet, but I was a kid at one point. And when you're a kid or you have a child who's done something wrong, oh, yeah. they hurt their sibling, whatever it was, and they have to apologize. Yes. I'm sorry. Right. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> the, the words come out, right. but where's the heart? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of his criticism. Yeah. You're saying the right things. You've set up these laws on top of the law, so you don't break the actual law. You're honoring me with your lips, but where is your heart? Yeah. Where is your worship actually uh, residing? Yeah. You know, do you have the promise of salvation? Yes, I go to church. No, do you have the promise of what Christ has given? Yes, I give X amount of money to the church. Where's your faith? Where is what you believe in? Where's the object of your faith? Is it really in your actions? And then you have to actually stand before God and make an account. Look how good I am. Especially when Scripture says, that you have fallen short of the glory of God. No, no one follows Christ. That's what Psalm 28, and then Jesus uh, mentions the same thing. We need to be careful. Why are we coming to worship? And this is one of the things that I will stress to our um, youth catechumens, that I am giving the vocabulary of their faith. I already believe that they believe, but let me give you the words of your faith so you can express it, so you can live it out, so that you can actually participate instead of, 
my parents made me go to do this. And what's so beautiful about that, I'm assuming, I haven't helped with any catechism classes yet. Oh, it'll be exciting. But just like what catechism is, is really what our liturgy is. Yes. And it's taking the attention off of ourselves and putting it on God and God's word. Um, And that's why in our liturgy, you have this back and forth of God speaking to us through his word and us confessing our sins, realizing we're a sinner in need of God's word. And that's kind of, um, that's why I think it's so neat because with our lips, then we confess who God is and what he does for us, mostly using his word. Yeah. And that's what I I really like, guys, I add and piggyback on that. We talk to God with God's word. We don't have to worry about what to say because he's already given us his word. And if we're saying his word back to him, we can't be wrong unless we do what Jesus says and what the prophet Isaiah says. If we honor God with our lips, I'm sorry, God. Instead of, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, and I confess unto you all my sins, save me. And understanding where we stand before God, and that's really placing our heart in God. That, that That's recognizing what the prophet Ezekiel says, I break your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That is Christ, that is faith, that is the life of the church, and it's hard. It really is, and I make no excuses, because even as the pastor, sometimes I show up to Sunday looking at this as, this is my job. These are the parts that I say, these are the things that I do, and then I get to go home and rest. I fall short also, which is all the more reason to listen to what Jesus says. Break away from these traditions, and this doesn't mean that we need to invent a new way to worship breaking away from the tradition as the source of my hope. I don't place my hope, my salvation, my faith in the words I say, in the acts that I do. And I really liked what you said. It's the idea that it removes the attention from me, and it places it squarely on what God is doing and how he's doing it. In worship, we participate in his gifts. We participate in the receiving of what he's doing for our salvation instead of making sure that we do everything right because we would be lost forever. And I think Jesus, in his challenges to the Pharisees, is making that same challenge to us today. Mm -hmm. Where are you in our relationship? Come and live. Come and receive. Don't worry about what you're doing or not doing. Participate in the things that point to me for your life. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.